Croatian MEP challenges the COVID narrative. Greetings and welcome to the Pandemic Podcast. My name is Dan Astin Gregory, your host. And today I am sharing the conversation that I had with Croatian MEP Ivan Vilibor Sinčić backstage at the International COVID Summit in Brussels. This conversation came following the full day of hearings at the European Parliament where doctors and scientists and legal professionals gathered from all over the world to give evidence and testimony to be submitted to the European Commission. I had the great fortune of sitting down with this courageous MEP who's been challenging the narratives from the very get-go to hear how he believes this event will be a significant mark in the journey towards accountability. It's a fascinating conversation. I look forward to sharing this with you. Please do share this episode with ever facing censorship issues across all of the platforms. So it's vital that we have your help to make sure conversations like this are heard. Thanks very much. Enjoy this episode. This is the Pandemic Podcast. I'm here in Brussels at this amazing event. Yesterday, we're at the European Parliament where yourself and other MEPs had hosted us for an amazing series of talks. Would you tell us a little bit about how you got involved and why you think this is such a seminal moment in, in the journey so far? Of course. Um, the COVID crisis started somewhere in uh, February or March in 2020. And in April, I understood that something was wrong. So I was trying to find uh, some scientific data and to find some uh, different opinions than the ones that we were given by the government, by the European Commission. So I did. So step by step, um, we were um, trying to figure out what we can do to put things back on the track, mm -hmm. to um, dismantle this uh, fake narrative they were, they were spreading, all the, the, the fears and the uh, nonsense there were many completely stupid measures in Croatia. I, I won't go into that. So it was pointless. It was an um, insult to um, open mind. And uh, we were doing whatever we could at that time. We were, we were looking for ways to uh, go to court. To, we did protests. We were gathering and um, the scientists. So s step by step. Uh, things were going in the right direction. In um, September 2021, I was uh, I had an opportunity to participate in the first international COVID summit in Rome, mm -hmm. uh, in Italian Parliament, and uh, this is now in 2023 the third international COVID summit. Uh, and I'm very happy to see that in these two or three years, uh, it has been proven that we were right in so many things. Mm -hmm that we were following the right track. Yes. I'm also very sad that um, many things are not still accepted by the um, institutions, such as European Commission or EMA, European Medicines Agency, or some committees in the European Parliament. It's not in the documents yet. Uh, also the national governments. Uh, but you, you asked me, how did I get involved? Well, I entered the politics because of um, position Croatia is in, my home country, it is a very corrupt society, but I believe and feel we are going strongly forward. Uh, so I decided to do, you know, what I consider to be honest and 
to help wherever I can help. So when the COVID crisis started, uh, I have this, you know, mathematical scientific mind. So I, I was uh, checking the details and uh, in the details, in the details, I saw that some things are simply uh, not true, not correct. So I had to find the answer, the solution and then promote it and little by little uh, in uh, October 2021, a group of MEPs, that there were four of us back then, started to speak out, uh, and uh, here we are now. Yes. How was that received initially when you first started speaking out by your colleagues in Parliament? Well, uh, some were very happy. They were supporting us, but they were afraid to uh, join us. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, we, you are right, we support you, but, you know, my party will... Make, make trouble for me or if okay. I if I come things like that some were completely ignorant others were uh, shocked oh what are these people saying you know that the media is telling us something else that the, the, the agencies are telling us something else so uh, there was a division of opinion but it's normal in a such situation like that but now when, when when their official narrative has collapsed and they have accepted that the lockdowns were completely um, useless, even harmful, that uh, masks were um, useless and uh, that the fear campaigns are extremely damageable. Uh, we had testimonies, not just yesterday, but uh, there were some scientists on our COVID committee in the European Parliament testifying uh, that uh, there, was a, there was a long list of damage, especially done to children with lockdowns. So uh, much of the much of what we were saying has been proven right, and it is accepted now, but our job is still not finished. There's so a lot of work to be done, and we will stay on this path. Uh, I didn't, uh, I, in a way I was, you know, sad that uh, it has to be me. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a lawyer, I'm electrical engineer, but it has to be me to uh, do this, but I did it as a politician, and I did it the best way I thought it was possible. Uh, we organized a large number of events. This is by far the biggest and uh, the best, I would say, the best one. Uh, we had amazing testimonies yesterday and uh, with all the findings and all the raw data and uh, very good people from all around the world uh, who have outstanding careers, outstanding results in the field. And all these findings we will, as I said, uh, we will give it to the European institutions. If they fail to accept it, if they fail to comment on that, then uh, we will have to put more and more pressure on them. Yes. Do you think an event like this can help break through to the wider uh, political community, both at European Parliament level, but also at the national, national level? How can this contribute to those uh, education of the, the wider population of MPs? It will um, help, of course. Mm -hmm. It will move things in the right direction. Yeah. But uh, as I have learned in my political career, uh, great changes don't come all of a sudden. It's a process, it's some kind of evol mental evolution. Yes. And uh, it will take uh, perhaps several years before, uh, before uh, there is also a change in the politics, you know. Yes. Uh, the, the politics, the elected representatives are among, often among the last, I mean, the majority of them mm -hmm. are often among the last uh, who accept something as a fact. I have also seen it in Croatian Parliament. 
the things that were heresy in 2011 when we started on the streets uh, were not heresy in 2015 when I was first elected to the Croatian parliament. And now in 2023, it's like a dogma, you know, like yes. Mr. Frank, Franklin said, American scientists, all things start as a heresy and end as a, as a dogma. So I have seen the world change. I have seen Croatian politics change. I have seen the mentals, um, the mental certainty of, of, of uh, people and politicians change. And I have seen that heresy has, has been accepted as truth because it has a very strong scientific foundation. It must feel that that is happening all over again now with, with COVID yeah, story. Yeah, it is very, in a personal way, it is very satisfying. Yes. Very satisfying. And what do you think the steps forward are from here? Well, we intend to organize another um, International COVID Summit in autumn, in, in fall, in Bucharest, mm -hmm. in Romania. Uh, it would be very helpful if uh, at least in, uh, several governments in Europe or perhaps a new president or a governor in the United States, uh, as we see some, uh, some changes in that direction, would also use their position not just to change the policies, but also to request uh, accountability from all those who were uh, doing their job in a very wrong way, who caused many people to get injured or even die. Uh, accountability of these people must be, uh, must be demanded. And um, unless there is some kind of consequences, they are going to do it again. Mm -hmm. They're going to do it again. I myself was uh, chair of the uh, investigative committee in Croatian par National Parliament regarding the Institute of Immunology. Uh, it was uh, one of the best Croatian scientific research institutions, but it, it was destroyed during 30 years because of bad management and corruption, but also intentionally because it was competition to big pharmaceutical companies which are now selling Croatia their products, uh, but we would have been producing them ourselves. So I was uh, chair of this investigative committee. I learned a great deal of uh, things there mm. that are very useful to me now. And you can see uh, the pattern. You can see the pattern. Unless there are consequences, uh, the, the people are going to repeat things all over again. Among other things, we were investigating in this committee uh, the uh, the swine flu in 2009, mm -hmm. and uh, it was similar pattern like with the corona crisis. Uh, they were trying to um, make a huge deal out of that, but it failed eventually, thanks to very brave people uh, who were opposing um, that policies at that time. And uh, they failed then, they were not sanctioned the people who were pushing uh, this development. So they did it now again. They will probably try to repeat it again because it is uh, extremely, not just profitable, but it is also, uh, it gives them more power. Indeed. If a Croatian government brings a new law that gives them more power, it's good for them, you know. Uh, the, for example, Croatian government should have lost the elections in 2020, but then there was Corona. And they had the control of the media and control of the health policies. And it, it helped a lot of governments to uh, keep their position. 
in the world, I think with the exception of Donald Trump, but in Europe, yes. it, it helped a lot uh, many national governments to, to strengthen their control, their grip over the society and to further exploit it. Just a few days ago in Croatia, there was a huge scandal that a family member of a politician was involved in the procurement of uh, PCR tests and things like that are coming out yeah. Uh, yeah. everywhere. And um, this is Corona profiteering and uh, it's terrible. I mean, we want accountability on every level. Uh, the ones who were um, involved in corruption on low level, somewhere in procurement, up to those who are involved in corruption on high levels, such as Ulsula von der Leyen, who personally agreed the procurement deals with Pfizer and other pharmaceutical companies, and now they are forcing Croatia and other European countries to buy even more vaccines that nobody wants, which are extremely ineffective, which are far away from what was promised in 2020. They were praising it as a, the best product in the world, and then we saw it's something completely different. Uh, regarding the side effects, and every product has side effects, the side effects is something they are trying to completely ignore. Uh, even by the medical agency, even though it's their own data, they do the elder vigilance, they do the register of the side effects, they are trying to ignore it completely. It's ridiculous. I mean, why are you ignoring it? Every possible uh, medicine in history has some kind of side effects, big or smaller. Uh, you, you need to accept it as, as a fact, as a chemical scientific fact. Why are you ignoring it? You're making, you're abandoning the scientific principles, you're making this into a religion, a cult. You're making this into politics and, and not and not science as it should be. Mm, I agree. Now, you've talked about accountability and consequences. Yeah. You know, many people are talking about post-war type tribunals that have occurred in the past at like Nuremberg, what do you think, what form could it take? Because you've articulated something I think is important there because there's different layers of corruption and there's different layers of involvement in the entire process. And there is obviously the central institutions and some of the key actors that have been involved within the corporations, the pharmaceutical industry. What various forms of accountability do you think would be required? Is it, I think there's almost an assumption that there could be one tribunal that will solve everything, but I think, I think it's more complex than that, so I'm curious to know what your views are on... It would be the simplest thing to do, one tribunal, but it cannot be done without the support of uh, at least one major uh, world country, like either United States or is it France or China or anybody else? Unless some of them says yes, we want uh, this to be sanctioned on a global level and we want to make an example, it won't happen. Uh, in the meantime, until something like that happens, we have uh, different levels of courts and we should use all of them. Croatian Constitutional Court is basically elected by the ruling party. And uh, it's basically a political court. So you cannot expect too much from them. But uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina, I don't know if you are aware of this, their Constitutional Court made a ruling twice that uh, both the, uh, uh, that both the uh, digital green certificates are unconstitutional 
And uh, vaccine mandates are unconstitutional. And while explaining this decision, this ruling, they said that uh, you cannot give this power to decide on such measures to a narrow, uh, narrow parts of the executive power. Also, while explaining this ruling, they said that um, it is uh, in violation of the European uh, chapter of fundamental rights and also the Nuremberg Code because yes. you not force anybody to take any kind of medical product or therapy without their consent. And so they mention they mention the Nuremberg Code in their uh, in their ruling. Also, we have a ruling by the Spanish court, uh, which was uh, done by um, it was filed by my, my colleagues from Spain. Uh, that uh, they won in the in the court in, uh, in the end, uh, saying that the lockdown in Spain was unconstitutional. So it's it's we have uh, legal victories such as yes, is that good? Emerging, and you're seeing good. more and more countries that are following suit from. from yeah, what's there are following. a lot of lawsuits now. Yes, that are somewhere in the process. I don't know right. when will they be finished this year, next year, two years. But we should use every possible tool we have. We use science experts and medical doctors, such as we did yesterday to fight, we fight together. We also use the courts, we use the political platform, we use the media, free media such as yourself. Uh, so every possible tool that we have in our arsenal, we must use. We also do protests and uh, whatever we can do at any possible point of time. Yes, yeah, so the legal challenges are a big part of this. Now, what about political transformation? Obviously, we've seen Robert Kennedy Jr. standing now in the United States. Do you see hope for political leaders emerging like yourself who are willing to challenge the status quo and, and, and try to do things differently? Do you see that as a key element of the, the path ahead? And if yes, what, 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 what needs to happen in order to support that moving forward? Of course, I'm very happy that Mr. Kennedy, uh, I met him in uh, Switzerland, will be uh, will be uh, running for the position of the president of the United States. I wish him luck in this campaign. I'm also very happy that there are uh, politicians such as uh, Mr. DeSantis of Florida, who had a completely different approach mm. during COVID crisis. He's the other party, the Republican Party. Uh, we, as I said, we need to uh, to fight on all levels. Yes. The best thing would be to make uh, some kind of global social and political movement, because this is a global problem. The corruption is global, the WHO and everything else. But this is also very hard to achieve um, until that, until we have a common global platform that demands accountability. Uh, we need to settle for uh, our national representatives uh, and wherever there is somebody who wants to use these uh, legislative tools uh, of their national parliament and government uh, to um, demand accountability from all the, all the uh, persons and institutions that were uh, doing their job in a wrong way, even in a criminal way, I think that should be supported and that we should be networking. And uh, eventually somebody will come to uh, such a position or is already in, in such a position. 
Uh, I'm very optimistic about this, but without the political level, it cannot be solved. That's right. With, with, with all the levels, as I mentioned, the, the media level, the activist level, the the legal level, uh, uh, expert level, scientific, all are important. But without the political level, uh, things will not be finalized. Yes. So we need to also be active on this level. And this is what we are doing. We are yes, European indeed. Parliament politicians. Now, let me, the final question for you, because in, in the United Kingdom, there is, there is a widespread political apathy. And this, this existed prior to COVID. Also in yeah. So, you know, if you look at people who are actually members of a political party, it's somewhere between one and two percent of the population. So on one hand, we're talking about the corporations and these centralized powers that have amassed such power. Yet on the other hand, the people power that is usually exercised through the political machine has been decreasing for so long now. I was going to ask you, is, how is it in Croatia, and do you see it changing? Uh, in Croatia, we have a very bad political system. I could speak for days about it. <laughs> uh, for example, uh, in 2010, the Constitutional Court warned the parliament that uh, some electoral units are much bigger, are much bigger than that. The parliament did nothing. Now, only now, um, after the last... Um, after the last, uh, after the last uh, census of the yes. population of yes. Croatia, when they see, oh my God, the difference is so big, and we also have filed our own lawsuit, and they mentioned it in the in the ruling and the explanation, they have declared the election law unconstitutional. Now a new one must be made, and there are many examples uh, of um, Croatian political system being bad. Uh, I know that some of my colleagues here also have complaints about their own political system. Basically, in Croatia, some uh, members of the parliament can be elected with just a few hundred votes, while some are being elected with tens of thousands of votes. <laughs> yes, right. So it's okay. very unfair, and we are fighting for the equal right to vote. Uh, once we put that in order, we have uh, much better chances of... Uh, proper and democratic government of Croatia. Um, it would be, as I said, essential to have um, this political level put in order and uh, used um, as the people want it. But yes, uh, because of such irregularities, because of all the corruption that is not being sanctioned for many years. By the way, just to mention, our ruling party has been declared by the Supreme Court of Croatia a few years ago to be a criminal organization. Yeah, <laughs> yes. doesn't matter. They are still small in detail. power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are still in power. So everything uh, I mentioned and many other things um, are simply eroding the will of the people to be involved in politics in any kind of social change. So the turnout at the election has been slowly decreasing for the last thirty years. Uh, we are trying to change that, and I know that uh, people, if they see uh, if they see hope, they will they will vote. They will come out and they will participate. I have seen this on a local level. When you have a good project, when you have a good candidate, when you uh, have a good plan, the turnout is mm, twice the turnout that is a regular turnout. So I know the mechanics of politics. It can be done, but it's very hard to do it because you need a lot of uh, people on the ground, you need also the media, but it can be done. Absolutely. The people just uh, function in a way 
But unless they see, uh, hope they won't engage themselves. Yes. They do want to do it, but you have to offer them an opportunity to do it. Indeed. If COVID hadn't happened, what do you think you'd be doing today? If COVID ha hadn't happened, I would be dealing with uh, waste management uh, policy <laughs> yes, yeah. in the parliament. I'm still doing it now, but uh, yes, yes. I'm also doing the COVID policy and the health policy. Since I'm a member of ENVI, uh, Committee for Environment, Public Health and Food, food Safety in the European Parliament. I would be focused on some other things, uh, because also in waste management in Croatia, we also have uh, very bad projects and bad policies. And um, it is our responsibility, not only of Croatian government, but of the Commission. They are doing some things wrong. So I'm also working on that. That's something I would be doing and what I am doing. Uh, in parallel with uh, other issues. What would you say the biggest impact that this period of time, this COVID chapter, has had on you personally as an individual? What? What's the biggest impact the whole... What's the biggest impact? On you as an individual, as a person, as a human? What's the biggest impact? Um, I think that um, this... Um, this um, W... EF, the best thing from Davos. I mean, they have been here for a long time, but who are you? you know, who the hell elected you? Who are you to dictate the basically the entire world, but especially Europe, what to do, what not to do? What is this, you know? Mm. Who are you all of a sudden? And uh, how did you penetrate, as you say, uh, all the... Um, cabinets of all the governments and uh, how, how can you claim that sovereign nations are obsolete? I mean, are you insane? <laughs> I mean, I'm dreaming. So this, um, this moment when I understood that uh, they're not hiding their themselves anymore and that many policies that are being implemented come from them or through them, from somebody else or somewhere else, was perhaps the most important moment yeah. during the COVID crisis. Yeah. Yes, well, it sounds to me like you're driven by a sense of purpose now, a sense of integrity and justice that was clearly already there in your political path up to now, but it, it sounds to me that there's a real renewed sense of wanting to create change. So uh, yes, you, can, you can see that for everything you've done this last few days. So thank you so much. And I appreciate you being with me here on the Pandemic Podcast. It's very kind of you to share your time. Thank you very much for uh, the opportunity to have this interview. And uh, since we are in Brussels, if you can enjoy the sun, it's not very common here. Yes, <laughs> very good. It's like in the UK. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Pandemic Podcast. If you'd like more conversations like this, please do join our newsletter at downastingregory.com forward slash pandemic. We've got a wonderful conversation coming up with Dr. Jessica Rose, which was also recorded at the uh, International COVID Summit, where she talked about the things that are in the vials that should not be in the vials. It's a very revealing conversation. Watch out for this one. Now, if you'd like to be part of a private online community of changemakers who are tackling issues like this, then I encourage you to visit weareelevate.org, join our community and be part of the conversation. Thanks again for tuning in. My name is Dan Aston Gregory. This is the Pandemic Podcast.